You know, for a long time, for many, many years, actually, I've thought that the Christian world, that the Christian world has been waiting on someone else to do the job that actually God has called us as Christians to do. So often people sit back in hopes that someone else will establish some kind of policy that will help the world live more morally right. But when you but when I reflect on that early church, the church in Jerusalem, the Acts 2 church as Peter preached that first message and 3000 people came to Christ that day, their times were not the most peaceful. That early Christianity did not thrive in an environment and a world around them that was socially and economically and religiously and politically just right. It was chaotic. The Romans, they ruled the world with, with direct commands and authority and pain and torture and gruesome ways in which to control people. It was not a peaceful democratic society in which that early church rose up, in which the early church reached the world for Christ. There was nothing inevitable about the gospel reaching into the world. There was, there was nothing really of that first century that was so special that it enabled the gospel to move in a way that it couldn't move today. You see, Christianity thrived because all authority was given to them by Jesus Christ, by the risen Lord. And because he had commanded his followers to go into the world and make disciples. And those the early disciples, they gave up things in their life. They gave up their jobs. Many gave up their lives eventually. Simply because they loved and believed in who Jesus was and who Jesus is. They were not special people. They were not more elite. They did not have better gifts than what God gives today. But they were empowered by the same Holy Spirit that God gives us today. They were empowered by their faith and belief in who Jesus is. In Jesus' ministry as he traveled from town to town and village to village, he encountered a wide array of people. He encountered so many different kinds of people. He encountered tax collectors and fishermen and priests and Levites and scholars and Pharisees. He encountered church leaders and political leaders. He encountered military officers. He encountered rulers of people. He encountered beggars that had nothing. He encountered rich young noble people. He encountered demon-possessed people. He encountered hard-working people and wealthy people and women and men and children and prostitutes and adulterers. Jesus encountered them all. He didn't go to a particular target group of people. He looked for where God was at work. He looked for that person of peace in the midst of the crowd. He was walking in the crowded streets and people bumping up against them, but yet he felt the touch of one particular woman who needed healed. It's fascinating to know why. I think it's because Jesus saw into the heart of the woman the humility, the true belief that the woman had. Jesus encountered Zacchaeus up in the tree trying to get a view of him. Zacchaeus was a wee little man in the midst of a huge crowd. 
Jesus didn't have to stop and take the time to talk to Zacchaeus. He obviously saw something in Zacchaeus that was different than the crowd of people, the throngs of people who were crowding up against him. I believe he saw into the heart of Zacchaeus. He saw that person of peace in the midst of it. Jesus at the city edge, at the well, waiting on a person to come in the middle of the afternoon. People didn't show up at the well in the middle of the afternoon. Usually people would go out early in the morning. But yet, there Jesus was in the Samaritan town, sitting there, his disciples had gone on ahead of him, and Jesus was simply waiting to see who God had prepared for him to to meet, for him to encounter. And he encountered the woman at the well. Jesus was always living with an awareness that he was on a mission for God, that he had been called with purpose. He lived intentionally, yet he also lived with this amazing organic flexibility to go and to be willing to move and to change his direction when he encountered people. And so while Jesus walked along from town and village and city, he walked with an intentionality, not an intentional plan to to change the world, not an intentional plan to grow a large church. He walked with an intentionality of encountering people Wherever the people were, that's where Jesus went. In the book, What Jesus Started, Addison points out that Jesus' compassion drove him on. He refused to live a settled existence. His mobility was strategic. He was laying a foundation for a missionary movement, and he was training his disciples along the way to do what he did. I think that's a wonderful insight into the ministry of Jesus. The agenda that Jesus had was to encounter people and to teach his disciples how to go about encountering people. Addison also asked the question, how did Jesus find responsive people? It was simple, he says. He began every day with the expectation that God had prepared people for him to meet. You know, every day at 9.38 in the morning, I have a reminder that pops up on my phone. To pray for Matthew chapter 9 verse 38. And that verse is where Jesus says pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for the harvest field because the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. And so every day at 9:38 in the morning I pray a simple prayer asking God to raise up workers for the mission field for the harvest field. Now the harvest field is right around each one of us. You don't have to move to a new city to a new house to a new place. Although I think that God does call people to do that, obviously. Wherever you're at, God does call you to move out of your comfort zone, to participate in the harvest, to look for where God has prepared people around you. At the heart of Jesus' ministry was the conviction that since the Father is Lord of the harvest, he will provide workers for that harvest. Addison lays out a picture of what he thinks is the strategy that Jesus used in his ministry. And he identifies six components to that strategy. One, Jesus saw the end. He was moved with compassion and he looked out over Israel and saw the sheep lost without a shepherd. And he wept over Jerusalem's rejection of God's messengers. And so he prepared his disciples to take the gospel to the whole world. Secondly, Jesus connected with people. Jesus crossed whatever boundary stood in the way. He didn't let culture or cultural expectations prevent him from connecting with people. 
No group was beyond his care. Jesus spent time ministering to leaders, to lay people, to the sick, to the healthy, to sinners, to righteous people. Jesus spent time with them all, connecting with them. And thirdly, Jesus shared the gospel. Jesus proclaimed the good news of salvation everywhere he went to anyone he spoke to. He preached, he taught, he rebuked, and he invited everyone. He invited everyone to repent and believe. He invited everyone into the gospel, the good news that he was proclaiming. Number four, Jesus trained his disciples. Jesus led people to put their trust in him and to learn and obey his commands. He modeled and taught them a new way of life. Number five, Jesus gathered in communities. Jesus formed his disciples in the communities, communities that were characterized by faith in him and love for one another. And Jesus multiplied workers. Jesus equipped his followers to make disciples of all nations. And he sent his Holy Spirit to them so that they would continue his ministry in his power. And it's the same spirit he gives to us today. Jesus was on a mission to impact the world, and he invited his disciples to do the same. And even today, he invites us as well to participate with him in his ministry of reaching the world with the gospel message, the message of repentance, the message of the good news of the gospel, the message of hope in Jesus Christ.